Welcome to another episode. I am V, and this is the Sussex Set. This is episode 30. Can't believe I'm at episode 30 already. Thank you, guys. Let's get right into the charity spotlight. This week, I am highlighting Rise Up Australia is a charity that the Sussex Royal Instagram account is following for the month of October. Remember, this month, their theme is community. Rise Up Australia is a community-driven organization of passionate men and women who are dedicated to supporting the many families affected by domestic violence and family violence. Their motto is educate, empower, and end, as in end the cycle of abuse. Well, here's a clip taken from their IG page of a woman that they actually helped after she had to start her life over with her kids. I'm not sure I can give feedback that can accurately convey the enormous amount of relief that Rise Up provided when I needed it the most, but I'll try. The situation I was in would have placed me sleeping on the floor with the children until the unforeseeable future time that my circumstances would allow me to provide even the basic comforts of a bed. There was an incredible alleviation of stress to know that I wouldn't have to worry about the essentials on top of all the other chaos I was dealing with. When I walked in, I had the comforts of a home beautifully presented in a way I couldn't have achieved myself given the circumstances. There was somewhere to sit and somewhere to sleep and if I needed to curl up and have a cry, there was lovely bedding in which to do it. But what really brought me to tears was when I saw that Rise Up had not just provided the basic comforts, although I'm infinitely grateful for these, but it was all the additional thoughtful touches and personal items. There were welcoming gifts for the children and a lovely assortment of girly products, even for me, that I never think to have for myself anymore. It was these things that made the move feel less like it was the next fall in a downward spiral of misfortune and more like it was a celebration of moving forward. I hope this can be forwarded on anonymously so that Rise Up do know their efforts are appreciated and do have a large impact. Domestic violence has the power to completely alter a person's entire life for the worst. And that's if they make it out. So it's good to see a community-driven organization involved in helping women and children get out of those situations. To learn more about what Rise Up Australia does, please do go to their website, riseup.com.au, riseup spelled R-I-Z-E-U-P.com.au and see how you can get involved. And thank you to Rise Up for the work that they're doing. It may not seem like a lot to us, but to the women they help, I'm sure it means everything. Okay, so the last time we convened, I was talking about the statement and Harry being tired of the bullcrap. And at that time, the time that I was actually recording the episode, It had just broken that Harry would also sue the parent companies of The Sun and The Mirror. And since then, more details have come out about what might be at the heart of those efforts. So the lawsuit in which he's suing The Sun and The Mirror. Remember, Megan was suing the Daily Mail and the statement was his, but it was about why they were uh, she was proceeding with suing the Daily Mail and the letter that was that they published without her permission. Um. He's suing the Sun and he's suing the Mirror as well. And he named Pierce Morgan and Rebecca Brooks as conspirators in the phone hacking scandal. That much I didn't know when I recorded the last episode. So T, huh, T. So <laughs> uh, some people have mentioned that there 
is a statute of limitations on, you know, when you can sue someone for something and how long you can wait. But the suit isn't so much about the phone hacking itself as it originally appeared to be, but it's about the cover up involved with it. So if that can be proven, it won't matter how long ago the actual hacking took place. If you can prove that someone lied about their involvement and they tried to cover up, you know, that's then, you know, that's kind of like obstructing um, the rightful course of justice. I mean, I think that's always a crime, but uh, then it's a whole new ball game. So it appears that that is the angle that Harry and his legal team are taking. Piers is one of those people who was named, and we love that. Now, in case you don't know, Piers is obsessed with Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex. He appears to be obsessed with Harry now, too, far more than he was before Megan and Harry became a couple. But Piers Morgan is known for his strong opinions, of course, but he has strong ones about Megan, very strong ones about Megan. And he took issue with the fact that as soon as Megan and Harry got together, this is according to him, as soon as they got engaged, she basically ghosted him. And he is so embarrassingly obsessed with Megan that every chance he has gotten, he talks about Megan. Because in his mind, Prince Harry took his friend away from him. And at first it seemed like it was in jest, you know, it was just somebody who's having a little fun with it because he's connected to one of the people involved in this huge royal wedding. And in some ways he was quite flattering to Meghan just after the engagement was announced. So you are responsible for their union, you feel? Well, it's more that Harry is responsible for me never speaking to Meghan Markle again. <laughs> Because I'd imagine that the conversation when they went on a proper date the next night was something like, so do you know anybody in Britain, said Harry? And she probably went, oh, yeah, I know this great guy called Piers Morgan. He went, what? <laughs> what? You know you know this guy that used to run newspapers? You, you can never speak to him again. And she never did. That was, that was it? it? That was it. Bang. Oh, it was such a brief friendship. See, but then his fixation became downright disturbing, obsessive even being called out by some of his colleagues. Well, we might all have royal fever here in Australia. In the UK, there is someone, Carl, mm. who is a little less convinced. Yeah, we've interviewed him a number of times over the years. There he is, uh, arms crossed, grumpy. Um, <laughs> TV host Piers Morgan was discussing the Duke and Duchess' visit to Dubbo on British TV when all of a sudden he unleashed on the former actress. Have a look. Every one of her family acts worrying. Stuff me. makes lovely banana bread. Great banana bread and does a great hug. But she's an actress. And she's acting great, I think, at the moment. Mm. Pierce Morgan didn't leave it there. Taking to Twitter with this picture, captioning it, once an actress... dot, 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 dot. That is uncharitable. Look at that face. <laughs> she is totally devoted to Harry. And, you know, speak to the people who are coming out in their yeah. thousands to see them. Um, you know, she, she's an accomplished... Um, intelligent, passionate woman, and um, if he thinks that's acting, well... I don't think he talks on behalf of Great Britain. Uh, he thinks he does. Mm. Um, but uh, that is just not cool. And is it any wonder they're spending so much time here in Australia <laughs> with people like that at home? Come Pierce. on, come and live down here. We'd love it. Mm. Yeah, no good, Pierce. 
Oh. Well, I just think he's off the mark. Yeah. Well, as they but said in the great, uh, the great Wobble of sports tapes a few years ago, Pierce uh, off, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Pierce <laughs> off. Yeah, got it. Got okay. It. And I mean, using his platform to degrade Megan day after day to the point where this abnormal obsession makes his co-anchors and sometimes even guests on the show cringe. That's it. That's it. And so when I tell you that the man is unhinged, understand he is unhinged. Again, he had talked on and on about how Megan had ghosted him and, well, can you blame her? Look at how stalkerish he is and has become. And not only that, the man uses his own show, right? That's the complete lack of professionalism, if you ask me. He's using his own show to pick a bone endlessly with a woman that he barely knows. It's wild. And so he's repeatedly made Megan out to be this villain where She just cut off her family because she leveled up or something when we all know good and well that it was her family that victimized her, especially her father, who is at the center of the reason why she even filed a lawsuit against the Daily Mail. There would be no lawsuit without Thomas Markle sharing the letter that she sent to him. Okay, so the fact that someone in a professional capacity is siding with someone like Thomas Markle, it says a lot about Piers Morgan and also add to the fact that Megan hasn't said anything back to him at all throughout this whole time that he's been bullying her. So that's Piers in a nutshell. Again, he, along with Rebecca Brooks, is named as a co-conspirator or conspirator in covering up any involvement in the hacking scandal. Again, the hacking scandal dates back decades from when Princess Diana was alive. So given what we know about Piers Morgan's character, this isn't evidence, but I wouldn't put it past a person like that to lie, to cover up, if anything, just to save their own behinds. So again, this is a man who's repeatedly said that the press didn't kill Princess Diana, knowing full well that they played a part in the crash. Not only that, but they saw her alive after the crash and they did nothing to help her. Instead, they took pictures of this woman in distress. They did nothing. But he's caping for the press saying, oh, well, they didn't. Oh, they didn't. They didn't kill her. The, the driver did. That's the type of person Piers is. And someone even told me, which I didn't know, that the French police had to confiscate photos of photographers who took pictures of her just after the crime scene to make sure that those never got to see the light of day. That's like that's the lowest that you can get, but not a word of blame from Piers Morgan. And here he is vilifying her son now and her daughter-in-law. What a clown. Um, get sued, Pierce. And here's a new update. Uh, a man by the name of Duncan Larkham is a reporter for The Sun, or he was a reporter for The Sun. And he's come under new scrutiny thanks to these lawsuits. And I follow Byline Investigates on Twitter, as I'm sure many of you guys do too. And according to them, they've identified six stories in The Sun about Prince Harry And they say that they bear the hallmarks of unlawful information gathering 
And those articles will form part of Prince Harry's claim against the son. Remember, he's suing them. And these articles detail midnight phone calls as well as private texts and messages. And here's the thing. Each one of those six articles were written by this man, Duncan Larkham. Again, he's a former royal reporter for The Sun, but he still commentates and reports on the royals. Not only that, but this guy wrote a book about Harry. Not going to mention the name, but it's also published under the Murdoch imprint. Murdoch family or Rupert Murdoch also owns The Sun and the parent company, right? And so you see how it kind of all fits together. This guy has also come on Piers Morgan's morning show while they sat together and both attacked Megan. So Megan and Harry. So it's like, <laughs> these are all people with an agenda. They have an agenda. They're working in tandem. Some stick out more than the others, but they're all under this right wing umbrella. But to me, there's nothing worse than being that type of person. You know, somebody who pals around with Pierce Morgan as they both attack Harry and Meghan while doing all they can to profit from Harry and Meghan's popularity. Whether it's through website clicks or book sales. That's why these people, including people like Jobson and including people like Katie Nichol and anybody else who seeks to profit from Harry and Meghan, but at the same time regularly trash them, you have to be so morally depleted to even allow yourself to do that in public, to do it in public. You go on TV talking about this couple, trashing the couple, writing articles about the couple, and then you're using their faces to sell your books. You're using their baby to sell your books. There's no depth too low for these royal reporters. And that's why we that's why <laughs> they get so much crap from us. And about the hacking, like in the digital age, it is stupidly easy for somebody to be hacked. It's incredibly easy. And it gets easier all the time because more and more people are sort of dependent on their devices, right? Which kind of makes me not want to be dependent on them. But uh anyway, it's super easy to get to get hacked or to obtain um, secret messages. So either Harry was hacked or someone that he talked to on a regular basis was hacked, perhaps Chelsea. Um, there was also, I saw an article I'd have to, I might put it in the video, but I saw um, an article that was written when Harry was in the service, disclosing messages that there's no other way somebody would have got him to put them in the article. And Harry damn sure didn't send them to you. So that's kind of closed and sh open and shut to me. But I don't care how you slice it. It's illegal. It's snooping. And it's really the lowest behavior imaginable in my book. And you must be devoid of any moral compass, I think, to do that to somebody. And I don't care what your reasons are. But then to publish that private information, that's unbelievable. So that's the type of person Duncan Larkham is. And again, let me remind you, he did it at least six times, six times. So good for Harry for going after that guy. Um, 
another one who creates a false narrative continuously, I would say, about the Sussexes is Richard Palmer. Now, I don't really talk about him a lot, but the only reason I'm mentioning him is because I keep seeing this tweet circulated about um, that he tweeted about how Harry and Meghan are out on a limb. How you know, sis? Like, how do you know? And and, and he's talking about, I guess, within the royal family. Um, whether that's definitely true or not, I will say we do see a lack of support. But it just annoys me that someone would actually tweet that and they're supposed to be professional. And again, we know the bar is low. However, there's still a responsibility, especially when you call yourself a journalist. But whether that is true or not, at no point since becoming the Duke has Harry ever needed William. Truthfully, he didn't need him before. Not really. And Will may be an heir, but for a while there, Harry was more popular than the Queen. And he's still top two. So, um, and even this week, we're seeing Meghan and Harry's name at the top of all of the news spots. Not even just for the lawsuits, but even just for this Every Mind Matters initiative with the little video that we saw where everybody's speaking. Um, it's now Meghan and others, <laughs> or the Duke and Duchess of Sussex and others. Uh, that's that's I I made up the and others, but it's like other members of the royal. That's that's kind of what legitimate news outlets are saying. Whenever they do something jointly, Meghan and Harry, their names are always at the top. That says something. That says a lot. And half the time, they're not even putting Harry's name up there. It's just Meghan's. Even in a lot of these royal reporters' tweets, they only seem to really mention the Sussexes, even sometimes when they're talking about other royals. But what really gets me is that people can't make up their minds about what's really going on here. Like, some reporters would have you believe that the Sussexes are completely alone and that the queen disapproves of every little thing they do, while others will have you believe that the queen actually approves of the lawsuits and approves of the way Harry and Meghan operate in a general sense because it takes its attention away from what the monarch should be doing about her favorite son, right? So regardless of what the true story is and regardless of what people feel about the queen, I would say she's smart enough to know who's keeping the monarchy relevant right now. And let's just say it ain't Bill and Ted, okay? Now, at the end of the day, Harry and Meghan are the president and vice president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, essentially putting the future of the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth's youth, in Harry and Meghan's hands. And I'm told that William really wanted that post and that he was kind of mad when the Queen named Harry as the president and not him. And of course, shortly she named Meghan as the vice president. The Queen did that. Say what you want to say about her, you know, because I, I, you know, she definitely ain't perfect in my eyes either, girl. But she had the foresight to make the right decision with regard to that. Right. So that's that's the queen. And coming off the Africa tour and just seeing how young people respond to them, the queen clearly made the right decision. 
because she knows who the monarchy is depending on. Everybody know. Everybody can see it, girl. Everybody can see it. Now, that doesn't mean that as queen, she is as supporting as she should be to Harry and Meghan, given all that they're facing, given all that they are doing on behalf of the royal family. Okay, so don't get it twisted. But speaking of Bill not supporting, whether he does or doesn't, okay, because that's that's really what this part is about. Um, When has he ever supported the Sussexes, though? So if they're out on a limb, whether that is true or not, I can personally see it. Them being isolated. I said it in the last episode, actually. But if I were Harry, I wouldn't run anything by William either. You know, there was a lot of talk of Harry not running his statement by the Queen and not asking Will and Charles's permission. Girl, who was you? Not the Queen, but really, who was you? Because if you ain't going to help me, then why am I going to run my... <laughs> no disrespect to nobody's grandma around here. But <laughs> but specifically uh, about Will, Will is not even the first in line. So... To him, I would just say, sit down, girl. This ain't your business. And um, as for Charles, like he hasn't really stepped out and supported the Sussexes either. So not publicly. I saw some reference to him supporting them behind closed doors. But while that may be true, he seems like a nice enough dude. But to me, this isn't about nice. It's about principles. At this point, it's about principles. When you got a grandchild baking in the oven, girl, and you trying to meet your grandchild and you're not saying anything, even though you know the mother might be in distress, then, you know, it's kind of like about principles. And so support behind closed doors means nothing. If the people who are bullying you don't feel like they have a reason to stop bullying you. See, because if Will and Charles supported Harry the way Nacho supports Harry, Oh, honey, it might be a completely different story now or if the queen supported, you know, but, um, you know, when Nacho steps his fine behind to the mic and he says, Harry is really like the best father. I knew he was going to be a good dad. I love and respect that guy. And you never even seen as much of a statement from Buckingham Palace saying anything in support. Something is off. I mean, and, and, and I'm not saying that they haven't denied things every once in a while when it comes to Megan. They deny them more frequently when it comes to Kate uh, over stupid, trivial things. They um, basically allowed Andrew to write a novel about his associations and ain't nobody say nothing. Not really. Nobody really said anything about that. People made fun of it, but certainly he was given permission. And I mean, Buckingham Palace confirms things after the fact, like these lawsuits and the statements, but it's sad to see as an institution release a statement again about hair extensions, but not about a pregnant woman being bullied. So, yeah, again, they confirmed the lawsuits, but they didn't say anything in support that could have helped Harry and Megan before the lawsuits, if that makes any sense. Um, I've yet to see support for Harry and Meghan from the palace in the way that they deserve for all that they're doing for the institution. And good for Harry for not waiting on that, because when you've had enough, you've had enough, plain and simple. And frankly, if you're petitioning for public support, 
and you're in Harry's position, chances are they are alone to some degree. And after all, they are doing something in a way that they, that has never been done before. So if in fact they are quote unquote alone, let's look at it from the proper context. If they're alone in the family, it's not because they've done anything wrong. If they're alone, then they're alone because a family chose to not support them like they should be supported. And sometimes doing the right thing, it puts you on people's bad side. Sometimes doing the right thing, I believe Harry even said in a statement, it feels scary. <laughs> that says a lot to me. I believe he said sometimes it's not the safe thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. Look, that's some specific language to me. So to me, that says that he doesn't feel supported. But again, it's not because they did anything wrong. Now, think about it from this way. If doing the right thing, i.e. protecting your own wife, isolates you from your own family. And I guess that's a big if because none of us really know with any certainty the conversations being had behind closed doors. But if protecting your wife from bullies, isolates you from within your own family, it could be that some in your family are on the same team as the bullies, right? Because we can only go by what we have seen. And so if that's the case, it is my opinion that the family is cowering to the press and the press knows they're dirt. The press knows, the pre- obviously they, psh, you think Harry the only one that's been hacked up in that family? He is probably not, but it appears that he is one of the only ones who has the balls to sue. And so to me, it just feels like the family is cowering to the press like they've always done. And the press knows their dirt. And there's basically a culture of the press doing these types of things and going unchecked. So in essence, the family must be afraid of the press and what they fear the press can do to them. And so to me, that says a lot about your personal brand as a royal, because if the goodwill of the people, right, if that's dependent on what the press says about you, but not your own actions, then you're lacking as a person. You're sorry, dog. You're a sorry sack of an individual with all this privilege you got, all this access you got. But the press is what keeps the people on 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 your side. That's it. That's an issue. And you, I know it's that way. You want to know how I know? Because look at how constantly the, the press is trashing Harry and Meghan. They are trashing them daily, sis. But the public don't seem to give a damn, do they? The public nowhere, not even in England, they still show up for those engagements. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I have a lot of people in England that subscribe to my channel or subscribe to my podcast or I see people on, on, on Twitter and Facebook and all these uh, places. You would think that people would hate Megan, given how constant the trashing of her name is. So it goes the other way. The press, they tend to write positive things about non-Sussex royals. So it seems like the rest of the family, specifically the ones who are, I would say, on par with Harry and Megan, they um, have become dependent on the fluff. And do you want to know why? It's because they don't want to work. They don't want to build their own reputation. It's too easy to just let the press do it. But here Harry and Meghan are. They're fighting against 
the same press trying to muddy their reputation, which they have earned, sis. They've worked hard for. And not just since May 18th, 2018. This like this is a lifetime of work that they put in that the press is trying to basically dismantle and cause the public to somehow forget about and believe this new narrative that that just come along since Megan's been in the family. You know what I'm saying? So, girl, I guess opportunists are going to opportune. And so instead of getting their hands dirty and mingling among the peasants, they just kind of sit back and pray that Harry and Megan get knocked down to size to their rightful place right which is behind the second in line and so again it just becomes a whole loop and the monarchy is an institution that is so far behind the times when it comes to what is culturally acceptable I think in terms of how people treat other people like how the monarchy as human beings treat other human beings Um, it's an institution that is slow to adapt No, you know what? I'm going to take that back. They're not slow to adapt. They're they're slow to give a damn, if that makes sense. Right. They'll adapt in the coldest, most sort of heartless way. You know, in this um, podcast, I've talked about how, you know, in the past, in the early 1900s, the monarch was uh, someone who let his cousin and his whole family get pretty much executed. Um in Russia, you know, the emperor, the czar. But um, you know, so that's one <laughs> that's one way to adapt and stay in power. Um but it's like now it's like I know this is not that serious, but I mean people have died from a lack of protection, from lack of support, Princess Diana for one. Um but like they're slow to Give a damn, like I said, it's a cold institution, but it does still and will always rely on people's support of it, you know. And in 2019, I think that way, that cold way of operating, I think that's going to be the thing that could do them in. I'm not saying they're going to be done in this year, but I mean, it's just the way that especially young people coming up and how they um, how they view people. I think I think younger people are so compassionate and empathic um, in a way that older generations were not or maybe couldn't afford to be. But um, I just don't see how going forward the monarchy can continue to be as cold and, and and heartless as it appears to us now. So it may be comfortable for, you know, Bill and company. <laughs> I don't know why I said Bill and Ted. I meant to say Bill and Todd, T-O-D, but um, you know what I'm saying. It may be comfortable to sit back and do nothing and just to wait and see what happens. Uh, but from a tactical standpoint, I think it would be more advantageous to publicly stand in solidarity with your brother. You know, I think that's what that's what younger people will respond to. And so if young people are the future, like, like, I don't understand what they're missing. Like, what what are you missing here? Um, Because people are watching. That's the thing. People are watching, you know, and I think royals exist in this bubble where they're not really aware of what regular people think. 
And I'm not talking about Harry and Meghan, obviously, because they seem to have their ear to the street, you know. But everybody else, they're just living in a bubble. That's going to be a problem in the future, I assure you. It's going to be an issue. It's going to be a problem. And I think, like, if you allow the press to have you by the balls now, are you really fit to be king? I'm just speaking to you as an American. That's just the question I have. I just don't understand. But, I, you know, I'm going to still give them space to redeem themselves because we all fall short. But uh, y'all run out of time. Whatever Harry and Meghan like, I love it. Okay, but still, I just I just (laughs) I can't get my head around it, especially looking back. Like, remember when it was just Harry, Will and Kate and Harry took any and every opportunity to defend Kate, even against the slightest criticism from the media, especially while she was pregnant. Like, sis basically had two royal men for the price of one because Harry went to bat for Kate. It was like an honor for him. Well, you know what? Now he's Megan's husband. And so he's going to bat for his own. So I, I, I feel as though if you can't reciprocate that type of goodwill, then you do need to stay over there. You need to stay where you at. Because if I'm Harry, I'm saying to you, you do need to stay out of my way. Because it's not like you're going out of your way to stand with me. And as far as the monarchy as a whole, I've never been a royal watcher. You know, I've always kept an eye on Harry because he's always pretty much been up to something. But now I'm having to know all the goings on because I'm a Sussex watcher. Right. And I've never seen so many people, just regular everyday people call for the end of the monarchy than I have seen lately. And I again, I don't have a say. I'm not even English. And I'm sure those voices have always been there somewhere in the background. But suddenly to me, they seem to be very loud. Okay, and I'm not sure the monarchy can afford for them to get any louder. But then again, if they as a family allow themselves to be at the mercy of the tabloid press, then why are they even needed, especially in an age of social media? So... Let me just quickly get into what to expect coming up. Megan and Harry will be attending the Well Child Awards on October 17th. Nope, October 15th. And that is Tuesday. Well Child is one of the new accounts that the Sussexes are following for the month of October. The theme again this month is community. So remember that Well Child whom I've spotlighted on the podcast in episode six specifically. It is a national charity giving children and young people with serious illnesses the best chance to thrive at home with their families. So each year they have an award ceremony celebrating the inspirational qualities of the UK's seriously ill children and young people, along with those that go the extra mile to make a difference in their lives. And they're honoring 15 people this year. One of the stories that really just kind of touched my heart, um, I just want to just read real quick, just to kind of give you an idea of how they look to honor, whether it is a child or a medical professional. One of the stories, one of the award recipients, rather, is Emmy Narian Nicholas, and she's only 10 years old. Emmy, at age 10, 
from Greater Manchester was diagnosed with leukemia in 2017, and she was very ill during her first year of treatment when she was unable to walk for a time. Despite being in the hospital herself, Emmy was always concerned about other people, and she came up with the idea of Emmy's Kitchen. The kitchen is open to all parents with a child staying at the Royal Manchester Children's Hospital. And a free three-course dinner is provided once a month, and the meal allows parents to meet each other, relax, and chat. Emmy has been at every kitchen night looking after parents and children who attend. Her grandma, who nominated her, says she is so kind and caring and makes sure everyone is looked after. So that kind of gives you an idea. That's amazing, first of all. The child was sick herself, 10 years old, but still coming up with an idea that fosters and inspires community within, say, the location of a hospital. That's incredible. And another one that I'll highlight is Dr. Sarah Coy. She is from Scotland and has worked as a general practitioner as well as in pediatrics. Sarah believes children and families should have the chance to have more of their care at home and regularly visits her patients to avoid them having to make more hospital trips. When a child sadly passes away, she will go around to the family's home for support. Well, child nurse Eileen Crichton, who nominated her for the award, said, What makes Sarah stand out from the others is her caring and compassionate nature and her absolute commitment to the children and families she cares for. She makes herself available to staff and families without restriction to offer support and advice. So that's just going above and beyond. Um, I look forward to the... uh, more stories coming out of the Well Child Awards. And I really encourage you guys to go to the website to see specifically who else is being honored on that night. That gives you a little bit of context as to um, why it is important for Harry and Megan to show up. Harry is a patron of Well Child, so obviously he's going to show up. But just to understand a little bit more about what they do and how they continue to foster community within the organization itself because they already do enough just as an organization that exists um, and doing what they do to try to get seriously ill children in an environment where they can thrive because you know hospitals they're a place where you get the help but it's often impersonal so well child tries to get that child home as soon as they can so That's pretty much all I have for today's podcast. Please do check out Sussex Royals Instagram and see who they're following for the month of October. They're following such great charities. Again, the theme is community. And speaking of community, thanks to the Sussex Squad for being just really a great online community. There's so much that I've learned just from being a part of it. And um, I'm, I'm glad to be a voice in it as well. Um, make sure you follow the podcast on iTunes or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Definitely subscribe on YouTube and look for me on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, I am at SussexWide. On Instagram, I am at SussexSet. Yes, I had a couple other Instagrams, but shit keeps happening to them. So, but anyway, 
You're going to be able to find me somewhere, sis. <laughs> also, make sure you check out the Sussex Rising playlist on Spotify. I've just compiled some music. A lot of the edits that I do, I make sure to put the songs on the playlist. Um, just for It's just an easy place for people to find them. So uh, thank you guys again. And until next time, peace. I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. Kill me.